It is episode three of the pop-off. Louder than ever, better than ever, baby. Play my fucking intro. Once again, it's your boy, Matt, bringing you another dose of snarky douchebaggery on all things pop culture. And I just want to jump right into the subject that I want to talk about right off the bat. No housekeeping, no podcast pre-cum, none of that shit. I want to talk about this stuff. I want to get noisy about it because it is mildly personal to me. And what, pray tell, could be personal to me? Well, it was announced by BioWare, practically confirming any and all rumors leading up until this point that they are going to give a stiff pass and rework, effectively a reboot, on Anthem. Now, why is this personal to me? Anthem is a shit game. Absolutely. I bought it for $5. I beat it for infinitely less value than that. This game essentially killed Mass Effect. Because in the process of making this game, they went and they made... Uh, a new studio make Mass Effect Andromeda, the prequel that turned into a sequel that turned into like all the face memes, all the sad rubber, all the most pointless of fucking quests and effectively shelved the franchise and then killed said studio. They put a bunch of newbies on their flagship IP to make a new one. And when I said it, I said it out loud to the gods in the air and everyone around me who was willing to listen. If this game was going to be good, it needed to be amazing. Like the greatest game ever to justify sacrificing Mass Effect on some Aztecian altar where they ripped its fucking heart out. And it was not even close for anybody. I feel like I start that off a lot, but that's my intro to the preface of the sentence. If anybody doesn't know what the fuck Anthem is about, it is a third-person shooter. Make your own Iron Man suit, looter, RPG, abomination that somehow managed to be created in 2019 and yet borrowed several terrible gameplay elements that would be considered unacceptable and were in 2012 what were the problems with this game well numerous one the story kinda ass uh two the gameplay felt clunky reloading took 60 fucking years flying didn't feel that great load times took six million years and of course the core gameplay mechanic of shooting people felt okay but the core gameplay mechanic of getting loot was a goddamn clusterfuck. So, let me just... Uh, I played this game 11 months after release. I played it basically through all of November 2019. This game came out March, maybe? February, more than likely. It's almost been a year since this game came out. It still has so many of the most annoying fucking problems with its looting system, Okay. Let me just go over this from when it first launched. So you had three tiers of difficulties and the higher up the difficulties went, the more loot you were supposed to get. Well, guess fucking what? 
Problem number one, they didn't rain loot on you. When you get a looter shooter and you get a game with significant RNG hurdles, you need to make it rain. Like that asshole who shows up at a strip club, cashes out $100, turns it into ones, and just fans it out. You need to make it pour on my stripper ass if I'm going to get any joy out of this shit. And they stifled you. In fact, the third tier, max tier, 11 months later, still the highest tier difficulty. It was pouring out even less loot. And it was significantly harder to get anything done in that bitch. You're spending 45 minutes grinding out one of three dungeons. Or uh, cataclysms, I think they fucking called them. I don't know. Their dungeons were fucking repetitious and boring. And I spent 45 minutes in this motherfucker over and over and over and over and over to get zero loot. So that pissed off a whole lot of people. And then when you got the loot, let's just say you get something. That piece of loot had the potential to have stats on it that were entirely irrelevant to the Iron Man suit of your choice. So if you were, say... Um, a Colossus, and they're like, here's something that gives you 60,000 ice damage. You're like, great, I can't even use ice damage. The gun's effectively useless. It's ass, and it went like that through every single class. Let me tell you something about 2012. 2012 is when Diablo 3 released, and everybody was excited about Diablo 3. And then Diablo 3, by some miracle of fucking God screwed up its loot system in the exact same way. Barbarians were getting intellect gear for wizards and witch doctors, and the agility guys were getting strength gear, and it was fucking miserable. Not to mention Real Money Auction House and all that other shit. So, for the same mistakes to be made by yet another AAA game-producing company, game developer, why don't I use the fucking lingo? Dear God. For the same mistakes to be used by uh, a game developer eight years later. You're building this thing for like five years, six years. Somebody must have played Diablo 3 or at least read a fucking article on Kotaku with how salty everyone was. Then there's the whole thing with the, uh, as it turned out, level 1 items did more damage than level 40 items. Because <laughs> level scaling and stupid shit like that. So, the game tanked, and they put this thing on pause, because as you do when you straight fuck yourself in the ass and piss off the only people that ever gave a shit about your game, you have to do something to put out all the fires, which meant that their entire first year of release for DLC and support was turned ass over tea kettle upside fucking down. And then they just sort of put bandages over gunshot wounds. And they fixed certain things. So, here's, here's how an item system works in, in this game. Uh, you get an item. It's, it's got uh, the higher tier an item is, the more inscriptions you have on it. Or, you know, stuff that gives you ability, like percentages. Every single one of those items and their inscription levels are random. And then within each inscription pool has stats 
that can also be random. So you could get the inscription you want, but it only does 2% damage, not 150% damage. And then you add in all of the fun stuff, like your gun doesn't do any fucking damage, or there's 30 different guns, or you got the wrong stats, and now you got ice damage on it, or harvest bonus on everything. And it can roll multiple times, okay? So you could get an item that has, like, two perks, that has 150 and 150, and you'd be swimming in, and you'd never have to play again. Now, here's the best part. 11 months later, after they patched together... God knows whatever fucking mistakes they made into a functioning game. These guys effectively made it so that there was nothing left to play except seasonal events. Uh, their Christmas seasonal event started in November and I think it ended last week. <laughs> it's like, you know how you're supposed to take your Christmas tree down before like the... Uh, January 7th or whatever the hell it is. And it's bad luck if you don't. 12 days of Christmas. It's 12 days after Christmas. That's your fucking window. And then, like, you basically are breaking mirrors while walking underneath ladders. It's, <laughs> this is what fucking Bioware did. Just kept the Christmas tree up. Don't ask any questions. So, two weeks ago, these guys announced that they are going to rejig the gameplay loop. Now, let me tell you about the gameplay loop. I have a current build that is absolute garbage because the gear I get is miserable. However, it is just functional enough to massacre the highest level content. None of it's optimized. It's all miserable. I only needed two items to accomplish said task. Grandmaster 3, hardest difficulty ever. I push one button. And I watch things explode. That's it. And I'm not being dead weight either. I could be killing things faster, but I'm not slowing down the average numbers of stuff. Bravo. So your gameplay loop needs serious fucking work. And this is not necessarily the first time that a AAA developer has totally shit the bed on their game, rebooted it, and turned that motherfucker around. Because uh, Final Fantasy XIV, for example, had a cataclysmic launch. This game was fucking awful. And they rebooted it with A Realm Reborn, and it turns out to be one of the better Final Fantasy games in general. And a top three MMO, if that's such a thing in this day and age. It's like saying, you know, top three RTS. No one gives a fuck about MMOs and RTSs anymore, but the games that are out there that aren't World of Warcraft, that aren't StarCraft, you gotta you gotta have a niche somewhere. And Final Fantasy XIV's relaunch fixed its face. I don't want my friend Johnny to hold me to that phrase. I will never play it. But I can acknowledge that they righted the sinking ship that was Final Fantasy XIV's launch. It doesn't matter how good or bad that game is. After the fact. Nevertheless, Rainbow Six Siege. It's beta. Total garbage. Uh, the launch. Hollow and empty and trash. Forced esports tournaments that went nowhere. Last weekend, they had the biggest event of their entire fucking season. 
with their big like invitational world championship finals. It was banging. They made a fuck ton of money. They're reworking every character, every map, uh, different modes. They're reworking the entire circuit to include like 40 teams. And, you know, they're adding ways for guys to buy like decals and stuff like with CSGO's sticker system. That game was literally unplayable. And this is an Ubisoft game. Ubisoft has made a perpetual 7 out of 10 classics. You know, every Assassin's Creed game after Assassin's Creed 2. It's just limp dick. Same old shit. And I mean, these guys churned these fucking things out like a McDonald's Happy Meal. Straight up fast food gaming. Annual release after annual release. Fucking For Honor was super cool until its own tournament scene got exposed by a bug they didn't patch in time. And every single character just, you know, they had to, they had to go back to, like, the old Smash Bros. days. Ban Meta Knight! He's too good! They had to ban the characters on site because they just didn't patch a bug in time. And then, you know, everyone abandoned For Honor. Like many an Ubisoft game that isn't Rayman because Rayman's still the shit. <laughs> Rayman's great. And, man... Don't get me wrong. Ubisoft games are fun for, you know, a weekend. They just have the staying power of a one-pump chump. They are the one-pump chump early ejaculating game developers of all time. Every game they've ever made is just, in the last at least 10 plus years, just doesn't do it long term. You won and done that, bitch. Or you play it for a weekend. I beat For Honor on the free-to-play weekend. They unlocked the whole game. Hoping that I'd play the DLC. I streamed it and played it all on the hardest difficulty level. Which removes the HUD and the ability to see how you're supposed to parry stuff. And when you died, you went back like 60,000 checkpoints. And then I never played it again. <laughs> you know, like so many other Ubisoft games. Please keep inviting me to test. I need your money. So, No Man's Sky is probably the biggest one of the bunch, right? No Man's Sky had a small indie studio get all the shine in the world. Everyone was super pumped to play this game. It was You could go to any planet. You're on one end of the universe, and they're on the other end of the universe, and we'll find life on the other end of the universe, and we can just do whatever the fuck we want. And, and it, it turned out to be as empty as space actually, you know, feels like it is i know some you know astronomist or fucking space doctor is gonna get in my ass about how actually space is totally filled there's so much you know there's space dust and there's rocks and there's stars and planets and planetoids and moons and shut the fuck up dude the definition of space is empty okay <laughs> don't get on me about that it took them two years for, I forget the name of the developer, but the guys who made No Man's Sky are being completely ignored to all of a sudden make that game resemble what the hype led it to be. And unlike, oh, I don't know, say Peter fucking Molyneux and Fable and everything that came out of Lionhead Studios, which was sold like the most magnificent used car salesman speech you can come up with and delivers none of it or you know a pales in comparison to what it could have developed it was just like actually there it was a functioning game 
No Man's Sky delivered what Fable could not. Fuck you, Peter Molyneux. Oh, you could you could plant a tree and watch it grow. I think they they made five different Fable games, three main game Fables, and then some weird subtitled shit, and an on rails like minecart connect game. I think, and you could never. You can never plant a tree and watch it grow in front of you. You fucking ha- I hope he has no career. I hope he's retired on his Scrooge McDuck levels of money and he drowned in the bin. Like someone is going to go in there one day and they're going to, you know, check his finances and find this weathered skeleton buried in gold. That would be ideal. Fuck Peter Molyneux. But all of that to say that there is a huge potential... For Anthem to not be ass-to-mouth garbage. You know? Just, like, terrible. And that the thing is with that game, its loot system... Is, I don't understand, for the record. I'm going to harp on this one more time. I don't fucking get how every single game that creates a looter shooter after the abominable launch of Diablo 3 couldn't fucking figure out how to just do it. If you have stuff with random rolls on it, you need to make it rain like a motherfucker. Cash that check, turn it into ones, dump it on my stripper ass. Please. Destiny 2 is in a perpetual state of beta. Every single time they change something, they change everything dramatically. And then there are times where they ignore things entirely for whole years. There are busted-ass guns in that game that are still busted to this fucking day. And yet, after the year one of Destiny 1's launch, and it looking like not the game everybody thought it was, and then finally getting to a good place by the third year of Destiny 1, and then going into Destiny 2, and this same fucking time loop happens, some Groundhog Day shit. I'm sitting there like Bill Murray with a bathtub and a PlayStation 4 running Destiny 2, and I'm dropping the thing in the water. The same shit happens again. They finally get this fucking game into a spot that's okay and it's still ass. But the one thing those fuckers finally got right, they make it rain. How the hell does Bioware not check any of these games out? Fucking Borderlands pours so many guns on you, it's actually detrimental because all the guns are crap. There's like three guns that are worth getting in that game and every gun you get up until that part is just like a fun gimmick for the shit joke that is Borderlands and you can tell I'm not a big fan of Borderlands nevertheless these fuckers I gotta get back on track here Bioware killed Mass Effect to make a shit game and now they're telling me they're gonna try to make the shit game good I will give it a shot, especially considering I paid five fucking dollars for it. And if you go on the Reddit, this is this is how sad this game was. Because I wanted to check if you know what what a build was. By the way, my build was just two 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 abilities. That's it. The one ability where I push one button and it's broken, and another one I don't even use, but its passive is just so good you have to use it. 
It's two things. But that Reddit around Christmas and, and Black Friday, there were so many sales. And people were like, hey, man, I bought this game for $5. Should I play it? Other people were like, I played in March and I quit this piece of shit game. Is the game better now? And so many people on that Reddit were like, no, man, you're better off. <laughs> you... You have to hate yourself a special kind of way to not only continue to play a game that is not good and is and is like fundamentally flawed for what it attempted to achieve and then actively participate in the dwindling community on Reddit to stand there like the the <laughs> the guy that like seals it you know what it is it's the motherfucker from The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones 3. It's the ghost dude that sits there and guides the people through the trials to get the fucking, the Jesus cup. The name escapes me right now. The Holy Grail. You know, that's, that's what these guys are. These ghosts in their fucking Iron Man suits sitting on Reddit. No, please. The warnings on the stone walls. Beware ye all who enter. <laughs> that takes some dedication to be the, the, the fucking martyr for Bioware. Ah, oh, fuck. Bioware's got Dragon Age 3. Or maybe Dragon Age subtitle, the sequel, coming out soon. If that game is garbage, like I'm almost willing to bet it is. If that game is garbage, then I am uh I'm over it. Bioware can fuck off. Bioware has has just They used to be at the top of the mountain, man. I mean, I played the Mass Effect trilogy annually for like seven years straight. The whole fucking game. I collected every rock I rode in every elevator. I listened to every bit of dialogue. I played with every single build at least once. And then, obviously, you play Vanguard because Vanguard's the man in the glass. And once you can start body check charging people into fucking oblivion, you do that nonstop. And I played the girl characters because the girl characters scream like animals in PvP. Or uh, PvE, really. But, uh, man, they're yelling. They're yelling as loud as I'm yelling about how shit Anthem is every time they put their body on someone in that game. So much fun. Absolutely. Now, of course, and this is actually a tweet that came out, you know, a couple days ago from one of the the cinematic directors from Bioware. He used to work on, uh, I don't think he works at Bioware anymore, but he used to do the cinematics for Mass Effect. And apparently the numbers were something like nine out of 10 people played Paragon. And he lamented the fact that, you know, the 10% of people only got to see all the cool renegade shit that they did. Now, this is in that time frame, the, uh, like, the 20, uh, 20, like, 10, 20, like, 2009, where guys are implementing morality systems into every game, except they wielded morality like a fucking rubber duck or a sledgehammer. It was, so, it's like, you want to do the good thing, it's like, you save the people from the burning building. Or, the, uh, the asshole thing to do would be to not only let them die, but then piss on their ashes after the building explodes. And it was so cartoony every single time you were asked to do something. It's like, hey, you could um, punch this dude in the dick and then shoot him in the face 
and then send a picture of his dead, dick-punched body to his wife and kids. Or you could pay the guy $200 and he'd leave the person you were talking to alone. Although, single-handedly, the greatest renegade interrupts of all time are in uh, two instances, and they led them up. One is in Mass Effect 2, where uh, you get to push a bitch through a window and he falls to his death, and you get to say some action movie snarky shit. That's fucking awesome. And then, obviously, the renegade build-up where you get into the fight with the reporter and then you punch her in the face. And if you... <laughs> this is the best, the best part of that buildup. And don't get on my ass about, oh, you know, it's misogyny. And yeah, punching women in the face is funny. No, it's not. But uh, it's cartoonishly ridiculous. So this woman tries to jump you for some cheap, like, tabloid news. And you can punch her in the face on the camera. And then in the first one, she takes it. And she's like, did you guys get that? And she got, like, a bloody nose and whatever. And you're, you're asshole, Shepard. So, you know, you do that stuff. In the second game... You do the same thing. The same shit. You talk to her again, and she tries to jump you, and you punch her. In the third game, okay, and this is where shit's hype. So she jumps you again, and you try to punch her, but she fucking dodges the punch, and she's like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And if you don't react fast enough, she decimates you. Straight up cold clocks you while recording the news. And of course, you know, you can get a quick one out again. And you blast her again. And she like squeegee wipes off the back of the thing you did. But the fact that she was like training in between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 for the moment in time when she could beat your ass. Uh, the, the Paragon thing. It, uh, you, you answer the questions like a gentleman. And then you acknowledge that she's suffering because, you know, so many people are dying on Earth and... You're trying your best, and all we can do is try our best. And then she she cries in your arms. Yeah, so, I mean, morality like a rubber duck or a sledgehammer. It just, just depends on how things go. And of course, let's be fucking serious here. Everybody playing a video game obviously feels like they're playing themselves to some degree with some of these games. And, uh, I mean, unless you're a sadist who just, like, likes to do the cruelest shit just to see what would happen, most people are going to power fantasy that their characters are good because they're good. So, obviously, they'll play Paragon. I played both, and, uh, the Renegade stuff gets wildly out of hand. Uh, I've, al I've also played a game through... I don't necessarily want to suck Mass Effect's dick any longer than I am. But I played a game through... A, gla a game through? A playthrough? Of the trilogy where I tried to get as many people killed as possible. And uh, I could end the game in two with getting everyone killed and myself. But then I obviously can't play the third game. So I need to live long enough to get to the end of the third game. And uh, it requires some finesse. But you can basically uh, commit mass genocide at least three times. Okay. Like a sledgehammer with the morality. Genocide three times. And then uh, you can do genocide a fourth time at the end of the game, depending on the choice you want to do. So you wipe out at least three races, if not four, if you consider the Reapers a race. In fact, you wipe out all robotic life 
ever. Anything that has an AI, anything that has a, a UI, wipes out your cell phones, it sends everybody back to the fucking Stone Age. And then, uh, if you played the original ending to Mass Effect 3, you probably killed a lot more people than that, because the relays explode, and Bioware kind of forgot that, uh, when relays explode, they wipe out solar systems. So if anyone was still living there, you fucking killed them too. God. <laughs> this is... And keep in mind, this is when I liked Bioware, okay? <laughs> they were fucking up Mass Effect 3. And you know what? Andromeda was fun for the disastrous debacle it was. Its gameplay was entertaining. Uh, a lot of its other stuff was whatever. I'm a fucking Mass Effect Andromeda apologist. Yeah, yeah. I acknowledge it's the weakest. I acknowledge it has serious flaws. But the gameplay is just good, man. Just feels good. So, uh, whenever the fuck Anthem gets itself its reboot, who knows? They put out a big-ass post with, uh, I think it was Casey Hudson, who's like the lead honcho big dick player at fucking Bioware. He's like, yeah, you know, we're going to change some things. Well, you need to change a lot. Because, uh... It's still Christmas. It's still Christmas in Bastion. What the fuck is the name of the planet? Bastion's something else. I don't even know. Like I played this game to the point where I can't even tell you what the story. Like I can tell you the story, and I can tell you some of the character names and shit. But I don't know fucking anything about this universe. You just you're stuck grinding reputations to get blueprints to maybe make items. You have to use the item enough to accomplish an understanding of the item so that you can disassemble the item to make the item. But then you need to suck the dick of various factions within the city to then have them teach you how to make a gun you could already assemble and disassemble blindfolded. And then you have to run around and, and, and farm plants. Plants. There's a lot of fucking problems with that game. Okay. A lot of them. Alright, so. Let's get into round two. Round two is something that's a little bit more personal. We're talking about me today. I've got this thing with pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is intrinsic to probably the core of my identity for my teens. I know that sounds like really miserable. But, uh... I have vivid memories of when I was a child sitting on a couch with my dad and my grandfather watching like NWA wrestling and Ric Flair beating the shit out of people. So wrestling's been a part of my formative years if you want to get into that shit. And uh, mostly the Attitude Era and the, you know, the Ruthless Aggression Era, whatever the fuck. I mean, these guys tried to name their shit like it was like the Mesozoic and the Paleolithic and whatever the fuck else eras and shit. Um, I watch wrestling a lot. And for the last year, I've outright ignored it because the product is so shit right now. And for the product specifically, obviously, I'm talking about the WWE slash WWF. Uh, because, you know, I grew up on the shit. So I, I always go back to the the battered the battered wife that I am going back to the abuser. And, you know, it's my fault. It's really not. I'm totally, I'm totally aware of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to, uh, every year I come back for the, the road to WrestleMania. And the road to WrestleMania, which for me is 
the six weeks out from when WrestleMania happens starts Monday. And I'm dreading it. Now, don't judge me. Pro wrestling is a lot of fun when it's really good. It's excellent entertainment. It's full tilt stupid. It is pre... What's the word I'm looking for? Fuck me. Predetermined. Thank you. Woo! See, Ric Flair. <laughs> By accident. What was I saying? It's predetermined. It's fun as hell. It's athletic. It's cool. Uh, man, some guys can still, to this day, if you watch The Rock on Super Bowl, introduce the two teams running in for the finals, motherfucker can still cut a promo. One hell of a promo. Wrestling's fun when it's fun. And, uh, man, is it not fun right now. So uh, I got this thing where I'm going to ride out six weeks and I'm going to watch all the wrestling. And I had watched NXT two weekends ago with a couple buddies. And uh, I talked to another friend of mine perpetually about wrestling a lot. But he watches all the other shit. He watches uh, AEW and he watches uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he watches fucking a bunch of other shit that I don't even necessarily need to name. And for a year, I worked at the company that owned TNA. Total nonstop action or impact wrestling as they rebranded it when they bought it. So I, wrestling's somehow, whether I want it or not, it's always in my life. That NXT show was cool and shit at the same time. And I'm dreading this is supposed to be the good stuff. And I watched this show and they had, uh, I'm going to start dropping names. If you don't care, you don't care. You may want to fast forward. Good thing I put time codes in. Charlotte showed up to beat up uh, Rhea Ripley, who's like the champion of uh, the women's champion of NXT. Both of these women are like 17 feet tall, and they're billed at like 5'7 and 5'8. They're fucking liars. I am getting lied to about heights. When I can see, like, they're not wearing 12-inch heels. They're wearing heels, but not 12-inch heels. These women are huge. They're Amazons. <laughs> and, uh... They go in, man. And this product was depressing. I'm depressing. I wasn't necessarily emotionally invested. And that's one of those things that you got to keep in mind with wrestling. Is that you actually do have to kind of care about storylines or whatever. You can appreciate the athleticism to a certain point. But obviously, like, it's, like with sports, it's better if you give a fuck. The ups and downs. And if you can, you know, subtract yourself from your, your sports team losing. So you don't fucking, oh, I don't know, flip a car and riot. Or if they win, you know, detach yourself enough to not flip a car and riot, then, then you understand the same rush that you kind of get from, from wrestling. Because it's still, you know, it's still fiction, but it's still with real people that are really beating the fuck out of each other to a certain degree. Especially in Japan, concussion boy season. But after watching NXT, we put on old wrestling promos. All the old shit is so much better. And I don't, I mean, I know I'm cherry picking promos and stuff. And when you watch like an hour and a half of your favorite shit, it feels so good. You just watch. Like the Macho Man Randy Savage promos. They're, man, first of all, Macho Man Randy Savage is probably my favorite. Favorite wrestler of all time. Definitely top three in the conversation. But my fucking God, his promos when he's coked out of his goddamn mind are some of the greatest things on planet Earth. This motherfucker busts out a promo where he pulls... Like, 15 coffee creamers to consistently reference to the fact that he is the cream of the crop. And I shit you not, this is the best two and a half minutes of your fucking life. It is so funny to listen to and so absurd to watch. And it's even better because he has to play it against straight man, backstage interviewer, mean Gene Okerlund. Who's like, well, wait a minute here, Bacho. 
are you trying to tell me? And she's got to, like, make all of this stuff seem cohesive. Are you saying that President Jack Tunney screwed you over out of the belt? Oh, yeah, I am. And then more coffee creamers cut out and shit. Keeping the man on track. Uh, and uh, my favorite promo of all fucking time is Scott Steiner in Impact Wrestling at the time in TNA doing Scott Steiner math. YouTube it right now. YouTube, YouTube Scott Steiner math. It makes absolutely no fucking sense. It is the most outrageous, ludicrously over-the-top promo on planet Earth. It makes no mathematical sense. It makes no logical sense. But it is sold with such conviction. And he does it with like three other people in the room. And a backstage interviewer. And they're all standing there. Like everything he's saying is absolute fact. I mean he gets into fractions. When talking about the odds of people beating him at this pay-per-view. It is, it is pure bliss. And if I could get just a little bit of that. Instead of like. Becky Lynch is fighting Shayna Blazer, I think. And Shayna Blazer's got this thing for blood now. And I wouldn't go to the extent of calling her a vampire, but they kind of already did. And the thing is, with wrestling, that could very well be a gimmick. But you know you know how um, in the Arrow shows and in the CW shows for the uh, the Arrowverse or, or the Sony movies, right? And the Marvel movies, where uh, because everyone owned certain chunks of the rights, they didn't own rights to everything else. So when they wanted to refer to someone as like a mutant, for example, they were metas or enhanced individuals, right? You couldn't call them mutants because if you use the word mutant, you were getting clapped up with a fucking lawsuit. This is what this feels like. They don't want to say vampire, even though Becky kind of already has. But I don't know. Maybe maybe she comes out like we had a vamp. Like this is the thing about the fucking mid nineties, early two thousands. We had a group of people who drank blood. We had vampires. His name was Gangrel. Okay, he had fangs. He came out with a goblet full of blood and he drank it before he came into the ring. There was an entire ministry that looked like the prototype to the dark universe. Like before they tried to make the mummy and the invisible man and the, the creature from the Black Lagoon and shit into a, a weird like continuous universe. They had the ministry which was like Undertaker's crew and Undertaker for the uninitiated is a build at seven foot tall undead shaman warlock gravedigger type motherfucker with a he basically looks dead small pudgy fat man called the pallbearer who was his manager and the pallbearer walked around with an urn that for a period of time controlled the undertaker like a golem from you know hebrew mythology Okay? His brother lit their house on fire when they were young and killed their parents. But as a result, burnt his esophagus out and could only talk through a tracheotomy machine. He wore a big red 
spandex costume and a scary leather mask, and he was called Kane the Big Red Machine. This is fucking 90s wrestling. What? This is the year 2020, and I have to dance around the idea that this woman may or may not have a vampire gimmick. For a period of time in, in the late, what, 2016, 2015? Somewhere around there. The aforementioned Arrow, Stephen Amell, wrestled in not one, but two pro wrestling matches on pay-per-views where they were like doing a superhero versus a supervillain gimmick. Wrestling is fucking bizarre. But I, for some reason, can't get sucked into the kayfabe of it all. I cannot trust. I can't sit here and go, oh yeah, well she's clearly a vampire. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. So we got some matches lined up. Uh, Brock Lesnar's got to wrestle. Drew McIntyre. And Brock Lesnar is the kind of motherfucker that just sort of like, he just beats you up and that's it and, and you lose. So if Drew McIntyre actually gets to, you know, you know, win at WrestleMania over Brock Lesnar, that would be fucking stunning. Uh, you know, The Undertaker, the guy I mentioned, uh, he's been wrestling since like the early 80s. And he has no cartilage in any of his bones. Uh, he has, or... Yeah, that, that's a sentence that makes sense. Or in his body, whatever. He has no cartilage in his body at all. He's bone on bone. His hips barely function. If you watched Chuck Liddell walk up to get weighed in for his like third fight with Tito Ortiz that happened last year, and you watch this arthritic corpse of a man struggle to walk 20 meters, that's what The Undertaker is. Because he's so banged up and he's such a company man. And and he he's he's gonna get another match at WrestleMania. It just some guys just need to be told to stop. They had to tell Chuck to stop. And when no one was watching, Chuck got out from under their thumb and continues to wrestle. Or well, wrestle. He tries to wrestle. Really, he just gets knocked the fuck out in every mixed martial arts bout he ever has with some of the oldest, equally crappiest retirement home fighters. The Undertaker needs to be told to stop. And the problem with The Undertaker is not only can he not stop, but he was supposed to have like four different retirement matches and they all sucked. Partially because he was wrestling a guy who couldn't carry his dead ass. That's not a pun. He, he's 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 a walking corpse at this point in time. He literally is a warlock, an undead warlock shaman, grave digger. Except he's managed to dig himself out of his own grave several times. In kayfabe and not, they they do uh, buried alive matches. I do love wrestling, but um, you know we'll see. In the, by the next time. We'll do a wrestling update on the road to WrestleMania and how far my sanity is slipping because I'm absolutely fucking going insane when it comes to trying to put up. Like, the concept of watching shit WWE product, it already irks me. I have yet to begin. I was going to start last week, and because I put it off for so long, we're here now. I love The Rock. 
love Shawn Michaels. I love old Ric Flair promos, Hulk Hogan promos. Even when Hulk Hogan is just a, a madman, I still liked Hulk Hogan when he was a kid. Can't wrestle for fuck. You still, you know, the charisma's there. And the thing is, that shit's a skill set. A lot of these guys don't have that. And a lot of them aren't trusted to use the skill set they have. Wrestling hits me with that nostalgia hit where I don't mind going back in. I dread it because I know it's bad. But if I get that one clean dopamine hit from something really cool. And I kind of got that. The Royal Rumble happened last month. And Edge, who I watched retire because he had a neck injury so bad that if he ever wrestled again, it could kill him. He came back. He's medically cleared like 10 years fucking later. And he got pyros. The WWE doesn't spend money on pyros anymore, let alone for a fucking Royal Rumble entrance. No one knew he was coming. Bam! Kicks open the door, makes it to like second last. Starts up his shit with Randy Orton again, which may or may not be going anywhere, and it fucking better. They better be wrestling each other at WrestleMania, because Randy Orton's not fucking the most fascinating wrestler on the planet, but Randy Orton, when motivated, and probably doing so with... Excuse me, probably doing so with Edge would be a fucking banger of a match. But he came out, man, his theme hit, and you just you just feel fucking warm inside. And it's just, it's it's predatory nostalgia just a little bit, but it's just... It just felt so good, man. <laughs> the good, t- the highs are high and the lows are low, man. And it's just it's one of those things. Like, do you, uh, are you willing to take the good with the bad? And when it comes to wrestling, I guess that's me. And that about wraps it up for today, I think. Just done babbling. I'm all babbled out. Thank you very much for listening. As per usual, we will be back two weeks' time. Maybe a bonus episode this month. March, baby. The first month of this podcast. A rip rocket success. Zero death threats. The counter still stays at zero. 